0: Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm super excited to chat to Reese Carter. His love for stories, especially those filled with whimsy, magic, and a little bit of weirdness, has led him here to his debut novel, A Girl Called Corpse, which has been described as one of the most fresh, unique, and heartwarming debuts about a lonely kid ghost called Corpse. It was the subject of an international bidding war, which is very exciting, with rights already sold in Norway, Italy and Spain, and it will be published in ANZ and the UK simultaneously. Now, this is mind blowing. Welcome, Reese, and congratulations on this huge success. Before the books even come out.
1: Thank you so much, Danny. It's so exciting. It still does not feel real, Uh, and (laughs) this is my first podcast talking about it as well. So maybe this is the thing that will make it feel real.
0: Wow, that's really exciting that this is the first podcast. But I feel like there's always those moments of is it real? Do I belong here? I don't know. Maybe that's just
1: my experience. Oh my god, no, all the time. I've actually got physical copies of the book now, and my name is clearly printed across the top, so it is definitely real. Definitely real. I still look at. I'm like maybe that is some other Reese Carter. Maybe they've <laughs> sent these to me by mistake and I didn't write this. What's going on?
0: Isn't it weird um, that anytime you have success in your life, you just doubt it. You think, no, no, there must be a mistake. I, I can't have achieved this. Like, it's a weird state of mind, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that imposter syndrome is always there, but I wonder whether specifically with writing a book, because it is such, a, you know, I'm not sure about, well, I'm sure it was for you as well. But certainly for me, the idea of writing a book, writing a novel, um, you know, writing fiction has been a dream for such a long time. And there's quite often a lot of um, failure and a lot of hurdles to kind of overcome along the way that I don't know about you, but it felt like maybe my brain is hardwired to think this is something like this is a goal. This is not something I'm ever going to achieve. I'm always going to be striving towards Mm. this because I was for so long. And so actually kind of accepting that, oh, no, like, I'm here now. I'm here is really, really hard to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think because with writing as well, there's no guarantee it's ever going to happen. So you go to uni to study whatever it is you're going to study. If you study and you do okay, you're going to become that teacher or vet or doctor or whatever it is. But with writing, you can do a million courses, you can write a million novels. And they may never get published. And that, for me, was the struggle of you may get to the end of your life and never have a published book because there's no guarantee.
1: No guarantees. And even when you do kind of, when you do get to the point where you have a published book, I think the rest of it is still a mystery. Everything that comes after that is still a mystery, you know, back to your point of, like, going to uni and having this career path laid out. It's so not like that as a writer. It's kind of constantly changing and unfolding and you kind of... um, Yeah, it's hard to kind of feel perhaps as certain of your future as it might be otherwise, Mm. Um, but maybe that changes. Maybe that changes.
0: Maybe, but it it does make it more rewarding because I think everything that you've done in your life that's been hard or challenging or feels like it's impossible have been the most rewarding things, right?
1: And it's an adventure as well, not knowing what's coming next, not knowing what's around the corner. Like, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, it is exciting. And it, there's a kind of that that danger element and that fear to it. But I guess that's why it makes it so exciting. That's why we go on roller coasters, right? It's the same thing. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it's why we read ghost stories as well. Yes, yes. To just kind of like shoehorn my book in there. Well, Uh,
0: let's talk about the book. I mean, that's why you're here, right? (laughs) We've got on already lots of tangents before recording, and we might circle back to that because I really want to talk about your dog more. (laughs) Yeah, and I
1: will definitely work him into the conversation. Don't worry, Danny. Excellent.
0: We'll make it like a really smooth segue. okay Yeah,
1: beautiful. I've already got one in mind. I'm ready to go. Great. See if you can pick it when it comes up wanna when it comes up. You're going to make him
0: make him bark <laughs> yeah. while we're talking. Aren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, tell us about um, A Girl Called Corpse. Give me an elevator pitch as to what this book is about.
1: So A Girl Called Corpse is about a lonely kid ghost who doesn't want to be a ghost. She wants to know who she was when she was alive. And so she goes searching for answers through a town that crackles and fizzes with dark magic.
0: That is literally the best elevator pitch i've ever heard <laughs> succinct sharp short tells me lots keeps me hanging on well done people usually hate them so good. For
1: you. I, I do hate them and like that was a i had to kind of practice not <laughs> kind of going down on tangents oh she's a ghost made of wax and she's this and the town is that so it took a lot of practice to get it that kind of refined
0: very lots of self-control well done mm. <laughs> Now, for you, when you said this has always been a dream for you to write fiction and, you know, you have written a ghost story, so to speak, was that always something that you wanted to write or were you writing lots of things and this is just the
1: story that worked? This is the story that worked. So I've always written middle grade fiction and I've been writing it um, ever since I was a teenager. So probably kind of, I mean, I was still reading it myself at this point, kind of 12, 13, and that's when I started writing it. Um, but the other I'd written three full-length manuscripts before A Girl Called Corpse that didn't go anywhere and they were all uh, one of them was sci-fi and the other two were kind of fantasy but they were much more whimsical fantasy what you might immediately imagine when you think of um, middle grade fantasy I suppose but this one yeah this one just came to me kind of quite fully formed um, and I'd always loved reading darker spookier middle grade books myself so it kind of was like a light bulb moment well you've got this story you've got this character why don't you try it and it was such a joy um, to write that I did have a good feeling about it as I wrote it, but it was still nice to know that other people liked it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, such
0: a, that's such a thing with writing, isn't it? You're writing and you just don't know if it's any good anymore, if your idea's is any good. It's always good when you first think of it. But then as you keep writing, like, I have no idea. Where's my compass here? Like, what am I
1: doing? And it backflips three, four times in the same day. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's the creative process. You can go, I absolutely love this. This is, a, you know, the best thing I've ever written. And... 10 minutes later, you can, this is absolutely so boring. There's no tension. The characters are flat. Nothing's working. And then by the end of the day, again, you can think you're a literary genius. Like it just flips <laughs> like that.
0: It does. And the creative process is weird because it's something that you have to force sometimes to meet deadlines and to get things done. But it's kind of a beast of its own, you know, like you said, that idea came to you fully formed, but it took three manuscripts for you to get there.
1: Yeah, and definitely, and it is a funny, the creative process is funny, you hit the nail on the head because it's a strange balance of um, you have to be disciplined and you have to force yourself to sit down and write and meet deadlines and, you know, um, sometimes force yourself to write when it may, you know, the inspiration may not be there. But the flip side of that is sometimes the best thing you can do is actually stop writing and walk away and come back when inspiration has hit. So it's this weird mixture of kind of intuition and discipline and, yeah.
0: And trying to convince the people around you that you're working when you're sweeping or going for a walk or walking the dog. (laughs) I don't always believe you. It's like there's a lot of thinking involved before I sit down and write.
1: Especially when you're in, you know, really in that drafting headspace. I feel like you take your characters and your worlds and your story everywhere with you. Um, And it can actually be quite exhausting because even when you're out at brunch with friends or going for a walk with a friend or walking the dog, your mind is constantly kind of, it's whirring in the back of your head there and you're thinking through different approaches to plot, different, you know, different ideas will spring to mind and you're desperately trying to clutch onto them so you don't forget them by the time you sit back down at your mm. computer. Um, and so when you're in that drafting head zone, especially, I find that it's kind of constant. You know, yeah. you wake up in the middle of the night with ideas. Um, yeah, it's always there.
0: Yeah, it becomes quite obsessive, doesn't it? Particularly with your your characters, I think. How was that with you when you were creating um, your ghost character?
1: So interestingly, Corpse was actually the first thing that came to mind. So this story, A Girl Called Corpse, is very much character first, story second. Yep. So I was actually, I was living in a house. I wasn't living where I'm living now. I was living in kind of an older style house. And the manhole in the ceiling of my bedroom just had this strange habit of just popping open. Like I were, it kind of happened three or four times in while I lived in this house for no reason. I still can't explain what it was. Anyway, I was going to bed one night. The lights were out. My eyes had adjusted to the dark, and I saw that it was just open a few, like an inch or two. And of course, I got completely spooked. Um, so, jiggled it shut with a broom. And then I was laying in bed, and once I got over, you know, the fear of it all started thinking who or what might be up there and I actually came up with the character of corpse almost fully formed Especially so there was this wow. lonely kid ghost sitting up there and I immediately knew what she wanted more than anything and I think that's a really important part of creating a character kind of the physicality is almost separate to create a convincing character you have to know what they want and what yep. they kind of and that also you know helps I suppose build the plot out as well because you're going to write a story about well They go looking for that thing and do they find it or not um but yes it was i had this really strong idea of who she was who her friends were what she was missing and so i actually this was a case of being in bed grabbing my phone writing myself a little note a memo for the next morning and then sitting down the next day and going okay this character has absolutely gripped me i want to write a story for her but what would her story be so for this one it was actually the character came easy Mm. um And, yeah, the challenge was finding the right story for her.
0: Mm, I like that. And I I actually totally agree with that because I think what drives us to read or when we binge Netflix and watch, you know, eight episodes in a night, it's because of character. Obviously, the storyline is important, the plot's important, but without the characters that you fall in love with or you want to know what happens to them or you see yourself reflected back, I mean, it's just a story, isn't it? Without
1: Exactly. The plot plot is so important. Of course Mm. it is. But um, if you don't care about the character that's going on that, journey then it's you know it suddenly becomes a lot less interesting
0: Mm, absolutely agree now this is amazing this is you know your debut novel i know you have three manuscripts that didn't work out which is kind of you know not unusual for most writers but there was a bidding war for this novel like tell me about this and tell me what you were thinking when this was going on it must have been mind-blowing
1: so it it was absolutely mind-blowing i remember So I wrote this manuscript in about six months, which is much faster than I'd written anything else before. Um, And I was really impatient to send it out to agents. And so I sent it out to a handful and then woke up the next morning thinking, oh my God, what have I done? That was so not ready. (laughs) I I, uh, called another friend of mine, another friend who's a writer. And I said, I've sent it out to agents and I'm not sure it's ready. And what have I done? And he's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, there's other agents. I was like, I sent it to Gemma Cooper, who was like the dream agent for me. She was this dream agent and I was like, what have I done? What have I done? He's like, oh. <laughs> anyway, so you can imagine I kind of come to terms with the fact that, okay, well, I stuffed that up, but I can go back and fix the book. So when when she offered to sign me, that was already amazing. And then wow. when she sent it out and all of a sudden it was meeting after meeting with all these different publishers, publishers who had turned me down previously, Um it just it was just mind-blowing, as you can imagine, to kind of have this interest in in the book um, and very flattering. And then kind of it was all a whirlwind after that. Um, Gemma took the book to auction um, and that kind of happens over a 48-hour time wow. period. It's just this like whirlwind of exciting emails coming through and you kind of barely have time to get over one before the next one comes <laughs> in. And then before you know it, it's all over. And you're like, oh, it, it, you know, you kind of... Um, yeah, it's all over and the book's sold and it's happening and you kind of still can't believe that it has happened.
0: <laughs> That's an amazing story. It's, <laughs> I, I love hearing that. It's really cool. It's it's so much excitement, you know, before the books even come out. And I love that because there's all this buzz. And I remember I had a podcast interview with Booktopia and they said this is a book to watch out for. You know, they're really excited about it too. And they read lots of books.
1: They're such a great team over at Booktopia. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. yeah,
0: they really are. Now... A Girl Called Corpse, it's not only this sparkling adventure, that's what it's been described as. You've got this great character, but it's about friendship and family and finding out, you know, that power comes from acting with your whole heart. I like that other element. It's got lots of layers to it. So is that always part of the story as well? I mean, you had the character formed, what she wanted, what the kid wanted. So what else is going on there?
1: Yeah, so... I knew that, look, you're right, on its surface it's uh, it's a dark ghost story, it's an adventure, it's exciting, Um, but it was really important to me that this story have kind of a beating heart underneath that because I love scary stories and kids love scary stories. But I think to kind of... I wanted it to be more than just spooks. You know what I mean? I wanted I wanted kids to kind of close that last page feeling hopeful because middle the best middle grade books are hopeful. So I was like, okay, well, I know this character is, I knew immediately that she was lonely. I knew immediately that what she wanted was company and family and friendship. And so really that kind of told me, okay, well, yes, this is going to be a spooky story filled with ghosts and zombie skeletons and sea monsters, but what corpse is searching for is belonging and is family and um so i suppose that kind of helped shape those themes um and that part of the plot as well
0: Mm, i think it's really important though because i love books particularly kids books that can be read at many different levels you know sometimes and it's totally okay for a kid to read a book for pure enjoyment yeah then you know a kid can read it at a different level and then get all those other layers to it so i think you know the best kids books are always like that and always have those multiple layers to them
1: Yeah, I think you've got to, and kids want to be entertained and we want to write entertaining kids' books. Um, And so I think with A Girl Called Corpse, at least, hopefully you kind of don't see the themes sneaking up until right at the end. So hopefully it never feels like, um, you know, uh, it's anything other than entertainment until you get to the end and they kind of make sense. They were kind of there all along.
0: Yeah, and I think they're the best stories. And kids are smart, you know. We can't underestimate them because they get They get the messages in there and we don't have to, you know, we don't have to make them really obvious because they get them. Kids are super smart at that kind of stuff. Super
1: smart. Which is what I'm kind of terrified about, to be honest, going (laughs) up. I'm going out and kind of starting to do school visits. I'm super excited about it. Mm. But I know that kids are going to find plot holes that I have completely missed. And they're going to ask <laughs> the, the publisher's questions. The publishers have missed. Every grown-up that's <laughs> laid eyes on this book will have missed. And kids will put their hands up and they'll have picked them out and they'll have the tricky questions. So I hope I can keep up.
0: Well, I just know I was a high school teacher for 17 years and let me say that kids are the most honest people you've ever met. So if they like your book, you'll know that it's true, but they'll also be very prepared to give some honest feedback as
1: well. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: But you know what? I think with kids as well. I mean, this is what reminded me when I was a teacher, and then when I had kids of my own, that they just—they remind you to be joyful. You know, I think we can both relate to adulting gets a bit boring and hard sometimes. But when you hang out with kids, they remind you that it doesn't always have to be that way, and there is—you know—you can still find joy everywhere. You know, kids find joy everywhere.
1: Yeah yeah i mean that's probably why we both write kids books too yeah, right because yeah. they're kind of they're such a source of joy for us and now yeah. i don't know about you but for my inner child as well like it's so it's so nice that now yeah. my job involves not just writing kids books but i have an excuse to read more as well yeah exactly
0: <laughs> my it's inner like, child loves it even yeah totally and i've got great soundboards at home because if something's not funny they'll be quite prepared to tell me you know my eight and ten year old you know they they don't hold any punches when it comes to feedback <laughs> <laughs> Now Jessica Townsend endorsed this book, and you know described this, this sparkling adventure. I mean, how did that feel?
1: So that was such a surprise. So I mentioned my agent Gemma before. So the reason I uh, Gemma was a dream agent is that she's just Townsend's agent, um, and so I had sent I signed with Gemma. It had all gone well. Of course, Jessica Townsend is like you know a superstar mm. in my eyes. I mean, in a lot of people's eyes, she
0: yeah, is. absolutely. Um,
1: but I had no idea this happened without me even knowing Gemma had shared my manuscript with Jess. I had no idea until Jess Townsend tweeted about it. And you can just imagine, I don't think (laughs) I slept for about three days after that (laughs) happened. I was so excited. Um, But now I have to pretend that like I just see her as kind of, you know, a peer and a colleague and I'm not like fanning, you know, fanboying out every time we kind of chat on Instagram or something.
0: You're on Words and Nerds, Rose. I fangirl every day. So I just think you just got to own it. Yeah. (laughs) That's all right.
1: It's so exciting. I mean, we've had so many fantastic authors, um, you know. Say very nice things about a girl called Corpse. Obviously, Jess is one of them. Jeremy Lachlan has said nice mm. things. Amelia Millor, um, you know, just Karen Foxley, like just so many incredible names that I've looked up to. Yeah, um, yeah to see them say nice things about the book is very kind. Yeah, it's and, lovely. Yeah, it's nice. Love
0: Jeremy Lachlan. He's a good egg.
1: He is a good egg.
0: (laughs) Now, this isn't, although this is your first fiction book, it's not your first book. I mean, you have a whole other life and career that you've had before. Tell me about this.
1: Yeah. So I, as I said, I've, I've, you know, I've been writing and telling stories since I was in high school, but I think that it's not the most straightforward career path. And so I needed a quote unquote grown-up job um and so I went and studied another interest which was um health science and nutrition I've had this whole career as a nutritionist and wrote two health and well-being books before this um and the whole time I was kind of writing middle grade fiction by night it was like I oh, had this double life um <laughs> but yes I was it was And that was a fun, that was a fun career. I enjoyed it. But, you know, when this, this is the dream. So it's nice to be able to do this full time now.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you know where your heart and soul is and yours is obviously, obviously with this book. I mean, you can tell from reading it. I always think you can always tell, you know, if someone's put everything, their heart and soul into the book, you can just read it on the pages. Like I'm Mm -hmm. convinced you can do that. Now, uh, there hasn't been a natural segue to the dog.
1: So, well, you know, you said my heart and soul is in the oh, book.
0: Oh, right, I missed it.
1: And my dog does make... So I've not never based a character on anyone, deliberately. But <laughs> reading back over A Girl Called Corpse now, in particular reading about her brave and loyal sidekick, Simon the Spider, mm. I think I might have... Based him on my dog pretty directly. To be oh, honest, I think I that Simon this. the Spider might just be a shrunken eight-legged version of my retriever Hagrid.
0: A <laughs> um, <laughs> great name for a dog, too.
1: It suits him. It suits him to the T. And <laughs> when I actually went to when I went to get him as a puppy, I'd already decided on the name because I knew he was going to be um, have black hair and be kind of really shaggy. Um, and so when I went to pick him up, I told, told the lady and she had a litter of 11 puppies and she pointed to the biggest one. He was about 50% bigger than anyone. Oh, was wow. Just kind of like sitting in the middle and she's like, you're calling him Hagrid? That's your dog. <laughs> and then he just kept growing and growing and growing. <laughs>
0: love that so much well he's been very quiet this interview he was barking before but um he's obviously amusing himself somehow but it's lovely that we made this segue into the dogs i heard lots about your dog before we started recording so
1: he will tell you that he's um the my greatest inspiration
0: oh i love it (laughs) it but you do you get so attached to you know they become parts of your family so i love that
1: I mean, he's the best writing buddy. He just kind of, like, sits on my feet like a giant warm blanket. Um,
0: and <laughs> doesn't critique your work.
1: No, thinks everything I write is brilliant, um, which That's is really what nice.
0: I need. I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> now, for the big question, Rhys, I know you've been thinking about it. Are you ready? Yes. Why? Why do you write? There's no Ooh. wrong answer. It's easy. I,
1: I know, I know. There's no wrong answer, Danny. But I've been telling myself over and over all day. I was like, now Danny's gonna ask you this when you're on the podcast, so you better think of an answer. And I've said to my that to myself about 10 times today. And do you think I have an answer? No. But on the spot, I think it's because it is where. It's something that I really love to do. It is a joyful, fun thing that just is effortlessly something I absolutely adore, but it intersects with kind of what's important to me as well. I think that writing stories, especially writing stories for kids, feels important. Um, You know, I don't know if I'd be able to tell you why that is, but I'm enormously proud of kind of putting stories out there that... um, Because I think stories matter, you know what I mean? I think stories, especially kids' stories, they get to go on adventures and have a good time. I mean, at the end, I know how much books meant to me at that age and the idea of being able to create something that might be, a kid's favourite book today, like that just brings me an enormous amount of joy. So mm,
0: That was a terrific answer. What are you talking about? It was yeah. great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually rehearsed it like 20 times. I knew, it. I knew exactly what I was going to say. And then...
0: Reading from a script. No, you won't. It was, it was too heartfelt. Yeah. You can tell. It's
1: auto cue. It's right there.
0: <laughs> no, but I agree with you. And I think that kids' books particularly, I think they're memories and I think they're time capsules because, ask anyone what their favorite kids books were and their eyes light up you know they remember that joy of being a child and you're trying to figure out well i'm still trying to figure out who i am but particularly as a kid you are trying to figure out who you are and where you fit into the world and what the future is going to look like and these books they help you along the way on those journey so i i so believe and i'm with you on that that kids books are so important for those those reasons you know and i remember the picture books that I read to my kids and when you pick them up, they're just full of memories and they're not just yeah. a book anymore, you know, they're the memories of where you were, what you were doing, you know, memories of a time that you can almost never, well, you can never get back. So I, I agree, they're totally important and special and we should definitely celebrate them.
1: Absolutely, and we're so lucky that we get to, get to write them.
0: Mm, absolutely Reece, it's been absolute joy speaking to you time has gone so fast because i feel like we've covered lots of ground talked about lots of things and i'm just so happy for you and congratulations on the success of this book already and i look forward to everything else that comes after for you
1: thank you danny this has been so so much fun uh, a fantastic first podcast to to do um and i hope i'll be back sometime
0: absolutely i love repeat guests so we'll have lots to talk about we'll bring hagrid on next time he can have a little bark we'll interview him as well that might get weird but you know why not
1: it's such a shame that yeah because people listening can't actually won't be able to see him (laughs) um because he is adorable (laughs)
0: <laughs> we might have to do a video live stream that time. Yes,
1: I like this. Let's brainstorm this. I'll email you.
0: Let's do it. Well, it takes you six months to write a book these days, so I'll see you then.
1: Yeah, see you then.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, Reese.
1: Thank you.